Welcome to Tapping Vegas, brought to you by Better and Green. Last year, 2023, with just four episodes and a couple articles, we brought in 33 and a half units. Absolutely insane. Both of us well over 500. Bobby, I got you at 41 and 25 on the year. Insane. We went 7 and 1 in the last uh, episode that we did. How are you feeling, man? Feeling like we're on fire. Definitely starting 2024 uh, with a lot of... uh, you know, good pressure, pressure to keep succeeding, pressure to keep doing better than all those other amateur hour, you know, betting services out there and betting shows on YouTube where you don't even know what their records are. You don't even know how many units they've moved. All you know is, you know, some man or woman out there is just giving you some, hey, this is who I think is going to win. And that's all you get from them. You're not getting anything else. This is all free quality content. And we're going to keep giving it to you in 2024. And thankfully, the UFC is finally back after a long hiatus. Absolutely, man. It's been way too long. Uh, if you guys want to see what we are putting our money on, you guys go over to that Sharps app. That is use code BET269. It's BET with two Ts. B-E-T-T-269. That way you can see the plays that we're throwing our money on. Uh, let's get into the first fight. The first fight is going to be Nicholas Mata versus Tom Nolan. Watching these two fighters uh, do with, during my film review, nothing stood out to me about Mata. Nothing at all. His last two fights got knocked out and choked out in a no contest. Um, Tom Nolan, guy's got long limbs. Long limbs. Great striker, I believe, from Australia. Um, dude can strike at a distance because he's so long. He's going to be coming in with a... a Pretty good reach advantage. Not huge, but he's very accurate and powerful. Last four fights, all been uh, ending in KOs. I have Nolan winning. Nolan is a pretty heavy favorite right now, but I have him winning by knockout, and I'm feeling pretty good about that. Bobby, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good bet, even though Nolan's currently at the minus 345 and Mata's at the plus 275. That's pretty... Pretty accurate for this fight, in my humble opinion, because Mata is unfortunately, since Nolan's kind of like the Dana White's contender series guy who earned his contract back in August last year off that show, this is unfortunately one of those situations for Mata where he's kind of the sacrificial lamb to kind of, you know, build up a guy on that contender series, i.e., you know, Tom Nolan, who made a pretty big splash at the first round knockout to get his contract into the UFC. And this is his first, you know, actual UFC fight in the organization besides the contender series one. So Mata, you know, coming off a pretty vicious round one um, elbow knockout that he suffered at the hands of Manuel Torres June of last year. Uh, Before that he won in September, 2022. Uh, He did have a left hook uh, to ground strikes finish over Cameron Van Camp. But other than that, very disappointing in the UFC thus far. Uh, lost to Jim Miller February last year. Jim Miller's a legend of the sport, great fighter, but he's been, you know, the center of retirement talks for five years now, and he probably will retire here shortly, especially if he fights on UFC 300 like he wants to. So, if you're losing to Jim Miller in 2022, it's not really a good sign for you as like a young prospect in, in the UFC. And then other than that, he's had a really long period of inactivity. He himself was a contender series winner 
back in November 2020, he won a unanimous decision, got a contract on Contender Series to the UFC based off that performance, but then didn't have another fight for two years until he lost to Jim Miller. So he's only fought, you know, three times in the UFC officially not counting Contender Series, only has one victory out of those three fights, took him two years just to get you know, his first UFC fight. He had, you know, he was supposed to originally face Van Camp in his debut, fell out. Demir Hedzovic fell out. Jim Miller fell out until it got rescheduled to, to February 2022. So the guy just hasn't been active. He's just, for whatever reason that I'm unaware of, has just let a lot of his fighting prime kind of fall by the wayside. He's only 30 years old, not a lot of miles, but I'm just not really seeing anything from him that makes him seem like a guy who's going to stick around in the UFC very long, unfortunately. I think he's just going to be honestly probably cut after this if he loses to Tom Nolan. He's just going to be that sacrificial lamb for Tom Nolan to make a name off of, get a get a good UFC debut KO for the highlight reel and keep on going, and I think they'll probably cut Mata after this. So, yeah, I'm going Tom Nolan pretty easy on this one. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, Seven-year age difference, too, which is quite substantial in combat sports. This next fight, Bobby, I can't believe the odds on it because I see this one super even. So I want you to take this one first. All right. So we have Fareed Basharat going to be going up against Taylor Lapalus. So Fareed Basharat is a guy that I'm pretty high on. Uh, really like his game, really like his style. Uh, he's been, you know, making some pretty big waves since he's came into the UFC. He's been in the UFC not very long. Uh, another contender series guy, September 2022, won his uh, contender series fight, unanimous decision, got his contract. After that, March last year, uh, Demond Blackshear, pretty good win, unanimous decision. Uh, Cledson Rodriguez, his most recent fight, September last year, first round arm triangle choke that he secured. Uh, so, so far, you know, three-fight win streak in the UFC, and he's looking pretty impressive. Um, he's in the bantamweight division, uh, men's 135 pounds. Pretty deep division right now uh, with guys like Sean O'Malley, Peter Yan, Marab Devashvili, you know, a lot of killers in 135. Right now, I think uh, Basharat's got potential to kind of join those ranks and be one of those guys who can ascend to that level. So Taylor Lapalus, he is, let's see. So this is going to be his second UFC fight. So in terms of experience advantage, very slight advantage to Basharat in terms of uh, UFC fights. Uh, so he was not a contender series guy, surprisingly. He just, you know, went on the regional scene, worked his way up, got the call after, you know, impressing some scouts. And his last fight was September last year as well. And he had a unanimous decision win over Cowan Lauren, uh, Irish guy. I actually have not heard of him before. That was his UFC debut that he lost to Lapalus. So that's interesting. But, yeah, Lapalus, he's, you know, riding a pretty impressive streak right now, counting his regional scene. He's one, two, three, four, five, six, six-fight win streak, one-fight win streak in the UFC. So that's pretty good momentum there, pretty extensive record. 
It's tough, but something just tells me I'm going to go Basharat. I like Fareed Basharat a lot on this one. Uh, he's never been beaten before. Right now he's undefeated at 11-0. And I just think he's got the skills. I think he's got the UFC experience. I just think I've just kind of been a fan of his since I saw him on Contender Series. Uh, his brother's also a good fighter. And I just think it's a pretty talented family. And let's see, if I was to go by a method here, looks like looks like Lapalus has not been finished in his pro career. He's only ever lost decisions. But you know what? Basharat's a minus two seventy eight. Lapalus is a plus two twenty five. I think I like Basharat by. You know what? Why not? Why not? Let's go plus 400 by sub. Let's do that because decision's only a minus 135. And with Basharat already being a pretty heavy favorite, let's try to make some money. Let's try to let's try to move some units. And uh, since he won his last fight by a sub, I like his grappling. Let's go plus 400 on Basharat by sub. What do you think, Ben? This one is so tough. Both guys coming in very hot. Both of them are 5-0 and in their last five fights. And then you're looking for edges um, where you can. They're, the, they're Both of their last fight were on the same card. They fought the same day, which I found that to be a little interesting. Um, so both of them, I think their last fights were in September. Uh, I, for Bashrat, I like his striking, and he finds openings fast. It's either... His brain works mile a minute or he's great at predicting where you're going because he is hitting those like the second that they open. Um, dude could grapple. I think he's a much better grappler than Lapalus. Uh, he looks for the sub. Lapalus, I think he looked actually pretty good as well. Uh, very good fist to elbow uh, combos. Like this dude, he could hit you twice with one arm uh, and one swing. He's got on your ass power, like put you on your ass. Very, very tough guy, especially with those regional fights that I was watching. Um, it was, is he's got heavy fists. Um, he's patient, calculated, but the dude prefers striking. Like, I didn't see too much grappling from him. Um, and especially when we look over in those, um, I think Basharat is British, right? And Lapalus, I think, is French. So, uh, yeah, Lapalus is French. I don't know where Basharat lives now, but he's originally from Afghanistan. Is it? I don't okay. know if he lives in the. He might live in the UK now because I know yeah. him and his brother immigrated. Okay. Yeah, I think they're in London now. Um, I, I give the wrestling edge to Basharat, the grappling edge to him. I I can't believe that these odds are as high as they are because look at that Hawes Ferreira fight next. I feel like it should be closer to that. But I'm I'm kind of with you, man. I think I think Basharat can get it done. Um, I, something I don't think it's a sub though. I think it could be a decision or a KO. I almost want to say KO, and the Basharat KO is plus twelve hundred. Ooh, that's a good one too. Just because he finds those openings and. Looking at it right now, the only edge that Laplace has in stats is strike defense and sub attempt average, beat him by point one there. So he's going to be able to defend better. But 
looking at the strike accuracy to 63 to 47%. Bachelorette throws 5.2 strikes per minute versus 4.18. Like, I don't know. I think Bachelorette's going to be coming in fist, fist, <laughs> fist of fury. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. This one's, I think, the toughest one on the card for me. Yeah, there's there's a few. Pretty much the next this fight and the next three after are going to be very difficult. Yeah, very difficult to predict. I don't think Lapalus wants to to grapple with Bachelorette, so this is going to be one of those knuck if you knuck if you buck fights. Knuck if you buck. <laughs> oh, dude, it's going to be a slobber knocker, as Jim Ross would say from the old WWE days. <laughs> it's going to be pure violence, man. <laughs> Let's move on to the next fight. We got Phil Haas versus Bruno Ferreira. I feel a little strongly about this one because watching that Phil Haas, dude, is a lazy fighter, dude. He is one of the laziest fighters I've ever seen. Dude doesn't move and just hangs on you and just eats punches uh, until he eats too many and goes night-night. Dude gets gassed, doesn't have a great gas tank. Last... um, or four fights ago, just Chris Curtis came up for his UFC debut, knocked the dude out cold, knocked him out cold. Yeah. He's got quick takedowns, and that is the only good thing I can find on old Phil. Looking at Bruno Ferreira, he is coming off a knockout loss, and that was also to a um, guy making his UFC debut. Um, but that's his only loss. He's ten and one. He's a little sloppy. He is a little sloppy. He gets out of p- position. Uh, he's a little Tony Ferguson in him. Uh, but he's the aggressor, and I think that's going to be a big factor in this fight because Phil, he'll just kind of like hang back. Sometimes he'll come at you real quick, and then he'll just kind of be lazy with it. And I think if you're, you know, get pressuring him up against the cage, you can. he's very gettable. Nice grappling from him. Um, I'm also worried he may be clinically insane. So <laughs> I'm going to take Phil this Hulls. dude. No, Bruno, man. Oh, Bruno? Watching him. Yes, man. The dude, he acts crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's, Phil he's seems, wild. Phil's got a couple things wrong with him, too, but it feels more like AB crazy, where Bruno's like right. um, the Joker crazy. And you're getting Bruno Ferrer right now at minus 125 money line. Don't hate that at all. Um, if you want to take the knockout, which I think is the way I'd go in this one also, Bruno Ferrer by knockout. See, it's only plus 110. That's the lowest of all the methods. You get Haas by knockout plus 165. Bruno Ferreira, knockout plus 110. I think that's the way I'd go. Yeah. Yeah, so looking at this fight, it is just so... It's just disgusting and not in a good way. It is just... It's just very ugly. And especially Phil Halls, he's kind of like the most interesting... Like the old Dosakis commercial, he's like one of the most interesting men in MMA because he's just been around for so damn long and he's only 35 years old, but he feels like such a weird staple of the sport. He's like a like a shitty like Kimbo Slice staple <laughs> of the sport type guy who's just been around forever and has like inextricable like linkages to the past and present of MMA and it's like how and why is this dude still in the UFC is beyond me because I first remember watching him in 2016 when he tried to get onto uh, the Ultimate Fighter that season that was coached by Joanna Janjacek, Claudia Gadala, 
It's the one that gave us Khalil Roundtree, Andrew Sanchez, and like Ashley Yoder. Those fighters came up off that season. And Phil Halls was the guy who they introduced on the Ultimate Fighter. Is like, oh my God, this is John Jones' protege. He spars with John Jones. He works out with John Jones. Him and Holly Holm hang out. Like, this guy is like Jackson Wink MMA's like secret weapon. I think back then his nickname was fucking Megatron even. And they were just hyping this dude up like nonstop. Andrew Sanchez was just this dude who at the time was training out of like Illinois or some, you know, bumfuck gym or whatever. And they're just like, yeah, he's going to go down. You know, Megatron spars with John Jones. Andrew Sanchez is, you know, going to be nothing. And then he just gets like the most whelming performance that anybody's ever seen. I think as Dana White was watching him, like get his ass kicked to a unanimous decision, he was just kind of like disgusted at Phil Hawes and just those hallmarks like you were talking about of just being lazy, having no gas tank. Looking at this guy and the way he's built, you would think he's just this machine, you know, of like power and, you know, cardio, et cetera, et cetera. And especially with, uh, as Paulo Costa would say, the secret juice, that they have there at Jackson Wink, courtesy of Johnny Bone Jones, uh, hiding under the Octagon special <laughs> to avoid the drug test. You would think this guy is some type of lab mutant like they were making him out to be, and he's just not. He's just a very underwhelming guy who has all these attributes that you would want in a fighter, and it just doesn't translate. And it hasn't since the since his audition for the Ultimate Fighter. His UFC career has just been lackluster. He had his first appearance on the contender series got knocked out by Julian Marquez. Julian Marquez is not exactly a guy making waves and men's 185 pounds in the UFC. And he made Phil Hall's look like an amateur. So then he stuck around in Bellator, bounced around in brave, came back to the contender series in 2020. So it took three years to get back to contender series. Finally won with an impressive round one finish. And I was like, oh, my gosh, man, has Phil Halls finally changed? Am I wrong to make fun of this guy for how he was auditioning for the Ultimate Fighter? And for a while, I was, you know, proven to be a dumbass. But he went on a nice little three-fight win streak. Kyle Dawkins, that was a pretty good one. Nazardine Imavov, Jacob Malkin, pretty good wins. And then he just does what Phil Halls does and just started losing just out of nowhere for no reason. Like you said, brutal knockout to Chris Curtis. Uh, Beat Darren Wynn, but that's not really saying much. Just like how he's kind of like John Jones's like uh, redheaded stepbrother or whatever, you know, training partner that was getting all gassed up. Darren Wynn was kind of like DC's weird protege that got gassed up just for, you know, being DC's grappling dummy, essentially. That's what Darren Wynn was. So I'm not really impressed, even though he knocked him out with elbows uh, June 2022, because right after that, Roman Delize, October 2022, viciously knocked him out in round one. Ikram Alaskarov viciously knocked him out in round one May last year. And I think Bruno Ferreira is going to do the same. Uh, Phil Halls is just... We've seen Phil Halls. He's been around in the sport for a long time. And ever since 2016, that appearance on The Ultimate Fighter is kind of, it's going to define him. I hate to say it. I hate to be, you know, a hater or whatever you want to call it. If you're out there, 
in your mom's basement judging me for passing uh, some opinions on some stuff. But we know what the dude's going to be, unfortunately. And even though Bruno Ferreira is also getting, you know, his brain scrambled in the off time, you know, as was mentioned, it was his first loss. Uh, and at least it wasn't two in a row because, as we all know, unlike BJ Penn would like to tell you, your brain does not get stronger with each concussion that you take. You don't become super Saiyan every concussion you survive. It gets worse, and you're more prone. So, yeah, I like Bruno Ferreira on this one. I like the odds. Uh, yeah, minus 125, plus 110 for Phil Hawes. And, yeah, you really can't go wrong with a good plus 110 by KO, TKO. This fight's not going to go the distance. And if it does go the distance, God help us all because it's going to be sloppy and disgusting and just a slog fest of two guys gassed out after 10 minutes, and it's going to go 15. Nobody's going to grapple, so I'm not really seeing the plus six on submission. It's going to be stand and bang, and, you know, as I said, it's going to be – Two guys going at it, and somebody's either going to, you know, face plant and be out cold, or it's going to be boring as hell, and we're going to wish that we, you know, change the channel or something. So, yeah, Bruno Ferreira plus one ten KO TKO. Uh, I'm I'm here for it. When would you say this fight ends? First or the second? Or does it even get to the third? Uh, man, with the way Phil Halls has been, he gets overwhelmed easily. That's why you can get that round one finish on him if you just. If you're just not afraid to just step on the gas like uh, Iskarov uh, and uh, Delidze did and you just say fuck it and overwhelm him, yeah, I'll go round one, especially since he's been finished two times in a row now in round one. That's not helping your confidence. And this guy, once again, you can do all the training in the world with John Jones and all these like critically acclaimed you know, good fighters at this world-class gym. At the end of the day, you either have it or you don't, and I don't think he's done anything in his off time since those two back-to-back, you know, KO losses to to improve his chin, to improve his defense, or whatever the case may be. So round one, you can get him the fight to be won between the one minute one fifty nine in the first for plus four fifty, or to be won between two minutes and two fifty nine seconds of the first round for plus five hundred. I'd go the plus 500. It'd probably be within that two-minute time frame, I'd say. They'll fill each other out a little bit. Yeah, they'll probably do that. They'll both probably be a little hesitant because they're, uh, since Fajera is also coming off of his own KO loss himself, mm-hmm. he's probably going to be a little bit more self-aware, I guess you could say, a little bit more uh, intelligent about the thing. And he probably will respect the fact that, yeah, Phil Hollis can KO people, and you know he does look like – he has power. It's just it doesn't translate. So, yeah, they'll probably feel each other out first. Uh, both be a little hesitant because of their recent issues. Yeah. And it, for the people that are watching, uh, Bobby, if they're looking at the graphic, Ferreira only leads in one category that strikes per minute, and he barely leads that. Haas actually leads in every other category. Um, I, it still doesn't change my mind. Like, no, it doesn't change mine either because he's so lazy, dude. He's just so like, right. He, like you said, he looks like a peak athlete and then he fights like a super heavyweight. Right. He fights like he's underwater. And this is one of those instances where looking at like the strike differentials and things like that, 
I think this is a prime example in this particular fight of a uh, quality versus quantity. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, Phil Hawes might throw more lead and, you know, like submission attempts, whatever the case may be, but it's like half hearted. I'm underwater fighting underwater, you know, moving like I have sand sandbags attached to my ankles type thing. He's not really doing anything with these punches that he's throwing out. They serve no purpose. They're not even like feints or fakes or anything. It's just the dude's like cardio kickboxing, which makes sense since he's trained with Holly home. So I think he's probably spent more time with her than he did John Jones because, you know, the only thing he's miss- missing is the ish-ish after every little punch, <laughs> and then he would be money. So he throws out crap just to throw it out, which is why he gasses out, because he's wasting time with half-hearted jabs, half-hearted straights, et cetera, et cetera, and it serves no purpose. It's just the dude just – I guess he thinks in his head he's trying to close distance, but in reality he's just really, you know, intimidating the air. Yeah. Yeah, before we move on to the next fight, I just thought you'd get a laugh out of this. That ESPN has Phil Hawes for his um like his specialty. They have him marked down as wrestling. And yeah, watching his, <laughs> watching all his fights, like, where is it? <laughs> right. I don't know where that came from. That is not that's not the guy that I associate with wrestling. I I associate him with being caught up in his own hype of how he looks physically yeah, and, you know, thinking that he's like a, a power puncher, but he's not even that either. It's just what he tries to be. And he fails in that regard as well. <laughs> Bobby, you take this next fight, man. All right. So the next one, I'm pretty excited for this at uh men's flyweight. So we have Manel cop and Manel cop is going to be going up against, up against Mathis Nicolau and Manel Cop is a guy who I'm pretty high on in the uh, flyweight division. He's he's making some moves and the division's pretty much open right now. Yes, Pantoja is the champion. Uh, yes, he just made a successful defense and a very exciting fight. But you know, as we've talked about before, while I am a Pantoja fan, we were all pretty much aware at this point that he has some pretty glaring weaknesses, namely in his striking defense. And, uh, you know, just being w- way too willing to stay in striking exchanges, he should bail on. And so, you know, guys like Manel Cop that have some power and win uh, through TKO and KO quite a bit, um, you know, could potentially pose some danger to Pantoja down the line. But anyway, uh, Manel Cop is an exciting guy. He's on a four-fight win streak right now in the UFC. Two of those by finishes. Uh, pretty crazy flying knee KO over Ode Osborne. Uh, Zalgus Zumaglulov TKO. Uh, David Dvarek unanimous decision. And Felipe Dos Santos unanimous decision. Uh, Manel Cop is a very interesting guy. He's been around for a while. Uh, professional debut was in 2012. So this guy, you know, he's got some uh, got some experience under his belt, and he's 19 and six professionally right now. And he's lost twice in the UFC, but he's four and two so far overall in the UFC was a big rising guy in the Japanese promotions was really where he got a lot of experience and a lot of notoriety before signing with the UFC. And 
<clears throat> some good fights there. Um, you know, TKO, TKO, lost by uh, arm triangle, won by a rear naked, lost by unanimous decision, but got a lot of TKO finishes in Ryzen. Uh, yeah, I like Manel Cop. I think he's pretty talented, very good striker, very creative striker, not really much of a grappler. Uh, he's lost by submission uh, more than anything. Well, I take that back. He has – that's how he loses by finish is by submission. Everything else professionally, he's lost by decision. But he's not really much of a grappler, obviously, as a result of that. So Matthews Nicolau is another guy who is in the UFC making his one, two, three, four, five. This is his gonna be a sixth fight in the UFC. And so far he is four and yeah, four and one right now. Just lost to Brandon Royval KO back in April last year. Round one, actually, he lost by KO, knee and elbows. So that's not very uh, good for him in this particular situation. Uh, yeah, Nicolau won the first time against Cop. Uh, split decision win, March 2021. So this is a rematch. And, yeah, that's what happens when you leave it in the hands of the judges. Uh, I'm not going to go on about MMA judging. We all know it's incompetent. We already know Sal Diamato needs to be, uh, you know, strung up in the guillotine, and I'm not talking about the submission. Uh, so I'm not going to get too into depth on that. But, yeah, MMA judging's terrible, and that's just the risk that happens if you can't finish uh, your opponent, and it has to go to the scorecards. So – I think that since it's a split decision that he that he got over Cap, uh, it doesn't really infiltrate your psyche and kind of psych you out as much as it would if you got finished by another individual. So I don't really think that's going to play too big of a role in the story of the fight. Uh, I like Cop. Uh, I think I'm going to go with him on this one. I also like how he gives city kickboxing hell, and he's like five foot five, and was uh, giving Israel Adesanya hell at the press conference when Adesanya went up against Strickland, and you know, just calling out that whole gym that I really can't stand for hypocrisy and just whining and crying like they do, man. Like Dan Hooker whining about Islam Makashev with an IV, and it's like, yeah, well, that IV bag almost broke your arm, bud. You know, I don't know what to tell you, so keep crying a little bit more and. You know, all their talk about, oh, don't pull out because Manel was supposed to fight uh, Kai Car France, a city kickboxing guy. And I don't know, I guess Kai France needed some Vagisil or something and couldn't make it. So, you know, Manel Cop was rightfully pretty angry about it and started going on a tirade and everybody's feelings got hurt. So I like Manel Cop for that. What can I say? I like the agents of chaos. I like guys who, you know, are five foot five, but give, you know, six, three, uh, six, three. It's like Israel Adesanya hell, man. Oh, oh, so, I'm going to have to bleed What can on I that say? <laughs> <laughs> Probably going to get canceled after after this one, man. I'm going to have to watch out. I'm already surprised my Twitter's up as long as it has been. Looking at, at this fight, man, it's like you see those betting lines that are out there just to try to get um, people who are coming in. Like Especially you see it in playoff football. Um, people want to bet on the big games. They just want to be in on the action. Uh, that's, that happens with UFC too. Um, you usually don't oh, yeah. see lines. I feel like this obvious. Um, 
that are, are, are so fishy. So Nicolau is ranked higher. He is fifth over Cape, who's at six or cop. And Nicolau won the last fight. And so now you can get him at plus 200 something. That seems fishy to me. That seems like they're yeah. trying to tell everybody like, oh, no, I get like plus money with the good guy. Uh, I don't think that's the way to go. He's coming off that loss to Roy Val. Um, I watched the fight and I got it confused with uh, Game of Thrones because after he got that knee to the face, he became like the man with no face. Oh! <laughs> 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 like uh, Thanos snapped him. He got him with the elbows too, but I mean, the boy, he went, he started doing the stanky leg after he ate that knee. So it's a, it's a really brutal loss he's coming off of. Um, he's a perimeter fighter too. That just it pisses me off, dude. It's you're so easily backed into the cage, and the dude he's never going forward. So everything's counters, and he's just trying to get you at a distance. So you get you're able to close on him, and you're able to throw what you want because he's not going to come forward. Um, yeah, he beat cop two years ago and when i was watching it it he beat him with the lay and pray and then i'm really surprised that he got that win because it didn't look like to me like that he did anything um cop he's the aggressor heavy fists calm good chain fighter he can move from punches to wrestling grappling throws um He's pretty Im- impressive to me. He's coming off, or not, he didn't just have it, but he did have a decision loss uh, to Pantoja. And Pantoja, he's he's got his weaknesses, but he's good. He's the champion right now, and he's coming yeah, off a decision 100%. loss. He didn't get subbed. He didn't get knocked out. Um, he could win with all three methods. So I think that Cop, I think he gets this win here. I think everything that Vegas is doing is trying to get you on Nicolau. I don't think that's the right way to go. I'm with you 100% on cop. Um, I don't know if you said a method. I apologize if I missed it. I, I kind of think it'll be another decision, though. Oh, uh, I did not, but I think it'll be cop by KOTKO. I like that at plus 165 Yeah, because it's the same as decision. They're both plus 165. So, what if what, what's just the double method for that? What's that? What's the double method for that? Uh, uh let's see. Here we go. Cop A to win by KO or decision minus two fifty. What is his just normal? Oh line? yeah, yeah. I wouldn't like that. No, I wouldn't like that together. Like for whatever reason, they have cop right now is plus one sixty five on KO TKO and plus one sixty five on decision. If you wanted a sub, it'd be plus nine hundred. Yeah, yeah, you can get him just outright for minus two seventy eight. Only twenty eight yeah. difference. Yeah, that's right. that's actually that's really bad. So you're go you would go with knockout though. Yeah, I would like that because if it does go to decision, cops not going to win because mm-hmm. it'd be a very similar situation to the first fight in which he just gets laid on. Yeah. If it goes to the decision, it's just going to be because he's laid on and, you know, Nicolau is just holding on for dear life and, you know, nothing that gets the UFC judges' gears going like a good <laughs> old, you know, 15 minute lay, lay and pray session, you know. 
They they love that. They'll instantly be like, oh, God, let's give the guy doing absolutely nothing just because he's on top in missionary. Let's give him, like, you know, 10-8. Let's give him a 10-8 scorecard. I could see him getting knocked out again because I'm telling you, after that knee for Roy Val, he's like Mr. Potato Head, just trying to find out where his eyes and nose and mouth went. Yeah, yeah. Once again, shout out to BJ Penn. If you're out there getting knocked out by a Hawaiian bar bouncer like, you know, normal, <laughs> the chin does not get better with repeated concussions. I know he likes to think he's like Vegeta now because of how many concussions he's had, but each one, you know, takes some of that uh takes some of that strength off the old chin and leaves you more susceptible to it and cops got power in the hands. So at plus 165, I definitely like that and I definitely think He's going to have to have that impetus to finish the fight because he already knows firsthand experience. If it does go to the judges, he's probably not going to win. And he's a he's a vicious little dude, so yeah. he's he's definitely has the incentive to to find the finish primarily through his striking. Otherwise, he's going to get screwed. Yeah. No, you're right there, man. You're right there. Let's get on to the title fight. We got Ankalev First, Johnny Walker, and no, not the uh, alcohol. Looking at this, and Klev is a pretty heavy favorite going into this. Both are strikers. Uh, I believe both of their last fights were against each other. Is that correct? Yes, this is uh, another rematch. This is this is one of those rematches. Uh, the last one got, uh, I think it was ruled a no contest because... Uh, Ankalev, is that how you pronounce it? Ankalev, uh, Ankalaev, Ankalaev. Okay, Ankalaev. Yeah, uh, hit him with a knee on the fence, an illegal knee. Uh, they ruled a or they stopped the fight. I'll get to that here in a second. Um, but Ankalaev, he's got that one strike power, dude. Like, I mean, he just boom and dude's just crumpled to the ground. He's got dangerous legs. Absolutely dangerous legs. Uh, last time I saw legs that dangerous, I ended up with a child. Um, <laughs> he could be next in line for a title shot with this win. He is ranked uh, number three at his weight division. We're looking at that division. It's got, I like Pereira, but it. I think there's a lot of people out there that might say he's a questionable champion. Uh, I think that he's very beatable, and Jiri's coming off uh, of that loss to Pereira, and Jiri's just right above him. So uh, this will be a huge win if Ankylev, my lord, I can't say these Dagestani guys' names, Magomed if he wins, um, Johnny Walker, dude's loose, man. I'll give him that. Dude's super loose, but God, he makes some like scary decisions sometimes, and he puts himself just in bad positions. Uh, oh, yeah. su- super long. I think the dude's six, five, six, six, like super, super tall dude. Um, I saw him, he knocked a dude out from the dude taking a shot on him. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. Usually you either, you know, you either shed the, uh, the takedown or you get taken down and work from there. Uh, the dude was just on his legs and he just hammer fisted the dude till he like went to see his grandma. Like dude was right. out. Um, hi Nana. Uh, hi nana oh there's my childhood dog too uh the ref stopped the fight because of like they thought concussion symptoms he didn't like the answers he gave him turns out that's just johnny walker dude it's just freaking weird yeah well what do you think apparently 
Apparently, the ringside physician, the first time Ankalaev and Johnny Walker fought in Abu Dhabi, uh, the question that he was asking Johnny Walker after the illegal knee, uh, Walker was grounded, grounded opponent. And Walker responded when asked where he was, he said, in the desert, which is technically true. He was in the desert. Abu Dhabi is a desert. But the ringside physician didn't like that answer because it wasn't specific enough, I suppose, and called the fight off saying that, you know, hey, this illegal knee has rendered him so concussed he cannot, you know, fairly continue in the fight as a result. So that's why this is a rematch. And it's kind of funny because Magomed Ankalaev is kind of a magnet for this weird type of shit. Uh, this is very similar to his two fights with Ian Kutalaba, Kutatalabra, in which very similar things happen, uh, except the only difference is his first fight with Kutatalaba in February 2020, it was ruled a TKO head kick finish for Magomed Ankalaev, but uh, in a very rare instance of uh, complaining enough to get your way, it actually worked out for Kutatalaba, and he complained enough about the stoppage. Uh, the referee, apparently, he felt stepped in a little too early. He wasn't completely out saying hi to his Nana. So he was upset, complained about it, campaigned for a rematch, actually got it shortly thereafter with Kutatalaba in a very surprising twist of fate from February to October 2020. In October 2020, he got the rematch, and Ankalaev decided to solidify it and completely put him to sleep. Uh, so no more doubts as to who was going to win by, between Ankalaev and Kutatalaba. So this is a very similar situation with what happened with him and Johnny Walker. You know, Johnny Walker, he looked like he was about to get finished by Ankalaev. Uh, ringside physician called it off. No contest. Here we are at the rematch. Let's see what happens. But <clears throat> here's my thing. Ankalaev only has one loss, and that loss is to Paul Craig, of all people. You already know how I feel about Paul Craig. I've said a lot about Paul Craig over these past few shows and articles. Another guy who's a magnet for weird crap happened in the the 205 uh, division. Literally at the very last second of the very last round, four minutes, 59 seconds, Paul Craig got a triangle choke win over Ankalaev. Ankalaev has not lost since, and that was his UFC debut. So pretty prestigious record that Paul Craig holds there, being the only man to defeat Ankalaev in combat thus far. What makes me a little hesitant about Ankalaev in this fight is I get he's the dark horse of the division. He's a guy who, you know, since that Paul Craig loss has went on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine fight win streak. Uh, you know, pretty dominant, beat Anthony Smith by TKO, beat Tiago Santos, Volkan Ozdemir, Nikita Krylov, Kutatalaba, as we've said. You know, pretty good names in the 205 deci- uh, division, excuse me. What concerns me is that in 2022, in December, he took Jan Blahovic to a split draw. If you're taking Jan Blahovic to a split draw in 2022 – I'm not liking your chances. This is like Jeff Foxworthy's You Might Be a Redneck, except me doing UFC. If you're doing that to Jan Blahovich in 2022, let me say again, you might not be doing too hot in men's 205 in the UFC much longer. 
So I'm not really a fan of that. Johnny Walker, I've watched him since his debut. I've watched him fight like the human equivalent of a wacky flailing inflatable tube man <laughs> and not really change that style ever since he came into the UFC. And he was just really impressive. Just watching his rise from the contender series to just beating Khalil Roundtree so viciously that he literally calls Khalil Roundtree to take like almost a year, if not longer off to go to Thailand and just exclusively train Muay Thai because of how bad Johnny Walker put the Muay Thai clinch on Khalil Roundtree to viciously knock him out. And he had no answer for it. He really did change the man's bum life in the, in the words of Conor McGregor. So good on Roundtree for taking that loss and actually coming back looking like a hell of a lot better fighter and learning a lot from that. Uh, Justin Ledette absolutely destroyed him, destroyed Misha Serkinov. And then this is where things kind of started to get off the rails for Johnny Walker after that uh, Misha Serkinov win in 2019. It was looking like he was the man who was going to dethrone John Jones at the time in men's light heavyweight. And we kept wondering – Who's going to beat Johnny Walker right now? The guy is just unstoppable, just fights, just so crazy, so loose. And the answer turned out to be Johnny Walker and his dance moves are going to defeat Johnny Walker because after celebrating by doing the worm after beating Misha Serkinov, he dislocated his shoulder pretty significantly and had to take some time off. And came back in November, lost to Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson hasn't been in the UFC since probably 2019, or if I'm wrong, 2020 at the at the latest. He's I don't even know if he's still in Bellator at this point. Lost to Krylov, had a good win over Johnny uh, Ryan Span, excuse me. Most boring fight I've ever watched in my life against Tiago Santos. I literally fell asleep watching it live. <laughs> Got knocked out by Jamal Hill. That's not a bad one because Jamal Hill was the champion until he had to vacate the belt. Beat Kutatalaba, beat Paul Craig, beat Anthony Smith. Maybe he's turning over a new leaf. He's with uh, Conor McGregor's gym now, SBG Ireland. Three-fight win streak right now. Uh, still a young guy. Still 31. You know, not a lot of miles. 21-7. and seven. And I just think this is going to be like my LL Cool J pick of the week type thing. Because... <laughs> For as up and down as Johnny Walker has been, and it seems so 2019 of me to say this, I don't know why Johnny Walker is looked at so negatively in the odds on this fight. <clears throat> I don't know why he's a plus 410 to Ankalaev's minus 550. If you're looking at the last fight, what are you looking at? Because it didn't last very long. We don't have a lot to go off of. Okay. He was in position to land a strike that could have ended the fight, but it was illegal. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> That's just not enough for me to go off of. And I just feel like this is one of those fights, especially at two Oh five. It's kind of like heavyweight where one punch can end it all. These guys have power, you know, they're unpredictable, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just Failing to understand why the odds are so drastically apart. Johnny Walker plus 410, Magomed minus 550. Should be a lot closer in my eyes. I'm licking my lips. It's my trademark. I like Johnny Walker. 
and I like it by a finish. And I like him. KOTKODQ plus 700. I like it. Uh, he's not going to grapple. Ankalaev might grapple, but Johnny Walker would not. So I don't want a plus 1800 by Johnny Walker on sub. Plus 1400 on decision is interesting. It is interesting because I could also easily see this fight going like his fight with Tiago Santos, where they're both so hesitant of each other striking and so scared that neither one pushes forward the momentum of the fight and they just stare at each other like Walker and Santos did and you fall asleep in your armchair watching it. So that is pretty tempting at plus 1,400 to take. But I'm going to say Walker's turned a new leaf. You know, being with SBG Ireland, being with John Cavanaugh, you know, three-fight win streak right now, kind of getting some confidence back, still a young guy, still finding his way in the UFC. I'm going to think he's going to be out with a point to prove, especially after, you know, the unfortunate no contest of the first fight. I like Johnny Walker plus 700 KO, TKO. Even if you take the money line once again, last time I really like the odds on this. think it should be a lot closer. So even on the money line, you're coming up pretty profitable. But, yeah, that's how I feel. So that's the only one we disagree on. I Because I'm going, to, I'm going to take Magomed. I don't know, man. I, like, I, I kind of wanted to take him by submission, and then I just looked it up. He has no submission wins. Zero. Which is surprising. Right. And I mean, maybe he's due, but because I just feel like he's a much better grappler than Johnny Walker, but I don't know. That kind of shocked me. And then his knockout isn't great. It's minus 225. Yeah. Yeah. Your best bet would be decision at plus 450. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll take that. I'll take the well, shoot, is this is this a, the fi- a five-round fight? Yeah, since that's, this is the main event, it'll be five rounds. It'll be 25 minutes. That's what I was thinking. Uh, see, that makes me really not want decision. Because, like, both, the way both these guys fight, I feel like it's going to be hard to go a full five. Yeah, like, that's true, especially get, Johnny Walker. Right. Someone's Either he's going to knock himself out or knock Megamed out. I guess I'll, I'll do Magomed by knockout. I hate that number, but it's way better than just money line. Yeah, you would think that Ankalaev would have more subs. That's one of those weird MMA facts that every time I hear it, yeah, it, I just forget because it's so odd. You would think the dude would have a lot more subs, but he doesn't. And then his one loss is by sub. Right, to Paul Craig of all people. Yeah. At the very last second. God, that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. I think Johnny Walker, that's going to be my haymaker, that plus 700 for him by KOTKO. Okay. I just don't think it's going to be a decision. Uh, somebody's going to get finished. Yeah. And I, I just think Johnny Walker, even though his chin is pretty suspect and he gets you know barely touched and has like the most dramatic KO face ever, and just flops around on the ground. Like, everything about him is just wacky, flowing, inflatable tube, man. It's just insane. From the way he gets – he doesn't get knocked out normally. He doesn't fight normally. The dude's like a cartoon character and everything that he does from, like, a 1920s Mickey Mouse cartoon or something. But, 
Yeah, I, I like to go. I like to swing for the fences. I want to start 2024 off with hopefully a bang, some big units, some big plays. So, yeah, that's going to be my play of the week with Johnny Walker by KOTKO. And even if you take the money line, you're still coming out pretty profitable. I feel like you're kind of you're, you're tapping oh, yeah. out Vegas on this one. Yeah, yeah, I love it, dude. I I I, I love the balls on you. Hey, man. Got a, got, a, got a pretty big set. What can I say? <laughs> Bobby, you got anything else before we get out of here, man? Uh, No, just uh, follow me on Twitter before it gets shut down, uh, at Bobby Bullshito. Uh, you know, you'll see it once you're on there. Everything's uh, pretty recognizable with the logo, the, the Steven Seagal. You'll see it all. Uh, Going to be making some more content now since there's more – Fights that are going to be coming up in the next few weeks. UFC's back. We're back. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, how profitable we were last year. We're going to be doing even better this year, keeping better track, more articles, more, you know, more tapping Vegas shows more regularly. Just, you know, follow along, uh, like, subscribe, and just uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting. And, you know, it's not – we're not just uh, joking around when we say, hey, what, what are your other MMA sports betting content creators telling you about their picks? How many units are they moving? Do you even know? Do you even know what their records are? Do they make, you know, funny, questionable content on uh, Twitter like we do that could potentially get, you know, yours truly <laughs> banned, for, uh, you know, in like a few weeks? You need to follow and figure it out before I do get banned because you're going to miss – out on some quality meme content if that happens and you're going to regret not subscribing bobby i mean already you're one of my favorite accounts on twitter man so absolutely get over there follow follow bobby he's uh at bobby bullshito uh you're not going to regret it thank you guys for watching and we'll see you guys in the next episode good luck this weekend peace guys good luck peace you better start listening to the better and green podcast you will not regret it. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And hey, I'm Dean Blandino. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Better Win Green, hey. To Better Win Green, hey. To Better Win Green, hey. Listen in and cash out. That's what it's all about. Come on, let's make cash now. We always on spot and we cover old spot from the bottom to the top, hey. Shout out to Ethan, shout out to Wyatt, shout out to Ben. Welcome, welcome to our podcast, Better Win Green.